0: And now, right to your hosts of Down the Garden Path, Joanne Shaw and Matthew Dressing.
1: Welcome to Down the Garden Path, where we discuss down-to-earth tips and advice while doing our best to help you seasonally manage your garden and landscape. I'm Joanne Shaw, owner of Down to Earth Landscape Design, and with me is my co-host, Matthew Dressing. Hello, Matthew. Hello, Joanne, and good evening,
2: everyone, and thank you for joining us. I'm Matthew Dressing, owner of Natural Affinity Garden Design. As landscape designers and gardeners, we believe it's important and possible to have great gardens, which are sustainable and low maintenance, and we want to
1: help you make it happen. That's right, and welcome everyone to Down the Garden Path. We continue our what we call our Critter Month this evening on Down the Garden Path with a look into, deep into the soil and its diverse life. Joining us tonight to talk about little critters, very little critters, right, Bob? Very little. And very how very you little. how you can put them to use in your garden is Root Rescues Bob Reeves. Looking forward to uh, learning more about. How how to rescue your plant roots, want to know if mycorrhizae are right for you, send us your questions to instudio101 at gmail.com. And let me tell you a little bit more about Bob. So Bob has come to believe that the secret to plant success is hiding in the soil beneath our feet. He began the Soil Health Root Rescue Project in 20, 2005. was I mean not 2020, <laughs> 2005, Bob. A little bit longer than a, that. That's right, with a discovery made at his family's nursery and garden center, Reeves Florist and Nursery in Woodbridge, Ontario. Bob is the founder and CEO of Root Rescue Environmental Products and also serves as a soil microbe, <laughs> microbiome advisor to Flash Forest, leading innovators in drone-powered reforestation. Well, I look forward to talking to you more about that as we get yeah, through the pretty, show, but welcome to the cool. show, Bob.
3: Thank you. Pleased to be here. Looking forward to talking about
1: Excellent. it. Excellent. Yeah, the season is underway. So, right, it's a lot of off-season planning and working Yes. and doing a lots of stuff, right? And-
3: Absolutely. And, you know, our product is uh, designed to be used
1: and- es- that- essentially
3: when you're planting new things, but it also has a role in helping plants that seem to be struggling not finding their way. So okay. it has remedial benefits as well. So it's a kind of uh, one size fits all tool and I'm happy to discuss its its technology and how it works and what it's all about.
1: Excellent. Well, why don't you start off by telling us how it got started? You said it was on your yeah, own uh, family it's farm. It's actually
3: a pretty straightforward uh, cause and effect story. Uh, I was managing the plant outdoor plant departments of our family garden center and we were moving a lot of stuff I mean it was a very busy part Mm -hmm. of northwest Toronto it still is fantastic amount of suburban growth we didn't lack for customers it was very busy Um, and we were selling a lot of trees shrubs evergreens perennials you name it annuals Um, And we had, of course, offered a guarantee on those plants, at least the perennials, the trees, the shrubs, the evergreens as any garden center would. And the essential problem that I had was that too many of them were coming back dead. Let's be just straight up, you know, because we were the last stop on the warranty. Uh, I would feel every one of those dead rose bushes and all of those dead emerald cedars because I'd have to replace them or give the value back to the customer. So this was a real measurable uh, problem with the business. And before that, for dozens of years, uh, we'd been using the typical kinds of solutions we thought were right, such as applying bone meal when you're planting and making sure that the pH of your soil is right and you put in enough organic matter. We all kind of know what that that playbook Mm -hmm. looks like but it wasn't really solving the problem. And what was beyond annoying about it was that these were excellent plants, which I in fact was the buyer of or the grower of. So it wasn't anything about the actual quality of the plant material, it's readiness for planting, uh, it's zone hardiness or any of the things Mm -hmm. that might be an issue. So this was a real measurable problem. And I was on a trip actually buying nursery stock uh, and I ran into a guy at a trade show just walked into his booth and i'd never heard of this technology before which is mycorrhizal fungi well i that's not quite true i'd heard about it of course from premier biotech and its product called mike myke oh, which has been in the market for quite some time and mm-hmm. i did try mike and my we were i was also running the landscape design build department and so our guys were installing the plants that we were designing and selling as well as just selling them to customers and we had used mike um, and found it difficult to use, actually, because of the way you have to apply it. It has to go around the roots on the way into the planting hole. It often gets missed, forgotten, or just not done right. And it also didn't seem to work very well with certain plants, um, often very expensive and problematic plants. So I started to look into this and ran into this guy who told me this in-depth story. He was a PhD mycologist, no less. And so he knew just a little bit about fungi. um, And Had made a a decision not to be in academia, but to start a business once he figured out exactly what the problem was in a lot of suburban soils. And it was the absence of these very important fungi, which form a symbiosis with the roots of virtually all plants. I mean, there are a few exceptions, but they're pretty rare. And so he was very... um, inspired by this thing and realized this is really an opportunity to not teach this for the rest of my life, but to actually get into business and start solving problems in the real world. So he and I made a partnership that essentially uh, began developing the actual product in the sense that everything needs a name, everything needs a size and a price point, and quality control had to be established because I wanted to be sure that the product we were selling was going to be fully registered with the CFIA, in other words, the label on the package okay. could be believed because the Fed had certified its accuracy. Um, what I didn't know at the time was that would take a long time to get huh. to get through the regulators yeah, yeah. with our we. We perfected the formula and then started the process of going to Ottawa, taking your hat off and saying, OK, fellas, let's get this registration now, please. It took six and a half years. So uh, that was, needless to say, a bit of a stall in the business plan. But uh, so we finally got out into the real world and started selling the product in the spring of 2016. Uh, so that's it's been a while now. We were in the this is our sixth spring, I guess, in the marketplace, sixth or seventh. Mm-hmm. My math's any good. It took a little while to get going. And so we have been uh, promoting this product ever since, and we try to get it into garden centers and you can buy it online um, and listen to me talking endlessly for a long time. So, uh, <laughs> and as opposed to the, the one and only mycorrhizal product that was in the marketplace, then ours is uh highly concentrated. It's got 18 different species of this amazing fungi in it, which is all about being making happiness for more plants more kinds of plants their plants specifically choose the fungus species that they want to work with it's not the other way around so uh so if you're offering for instance a particular type of mycorrhizal fungi to your oak tree and it's not the kind the oak tree wants nothing happens i mean the engage the match Mm -hmm. has to be appropriate And so the the strategy there is to simply have a lot of them. And that way, no matter what's being planted today, whether it's a tomato or a pine tree, somewhere in our mix, there will be a number of mycorrhizae who will put up their hands and and the plant will say, yep, you're just who I'm looking for. And so that's the stratagem. And it's just mixed in water in a very typical way, teaspoon and two gallons of water and water it in, which means you don't have to sort of do anything funny while planting. You just plant as Mm -hmm. normal. And then just water it in with a solution. So it's it's very simple to use and very cost effective. Uh, and getting back to where my story started, when we started realizing that this was what was going on in our suburban soils, they were really very dead. They were really very lifeless after the construction process of building subdivisions and roads. And when you started yeah. putting this this biology, which is what we're talking about, uh, back into soils, plants just really said, thank you very much. And our losses just dropped dramatically. So this, so whether you look at this in a dollars and cents way and don't even understand the science um, or Mm -hmm. care to understand it, it just works to prevent a lot of transplant shock and plant losses, which, aren't a happiness moment for anybody whether you're the customer or whether you're this plant seller or the contractor installing a whole bunch of stuff it it just isn't a bit of joy when when things don't make it and so um that's the whole story really about how it it came to be
1: okay fascinating now how do you you know like you mentioned 18 so yes you know, I guess a lot of research went into knowing that you've got that broad range.
3: That's right. Each of these, and there are many more in nature. Uh, you know, our technology but essentially. Okay. Yeah. Our technology ahead, is. No. Yeah. I'm here. I, maybe I'm lagged. I'm not sure. Maybe I'll turn off my. Uh, video Bob later.
0: is good. Uh, it's Joanne that is seeing probably those pop-ups. You're good, Bob. It's Joanne. Okay. a Okay.
3: Well, maybe Joanne needs to turn off her video. Maybe there's the streaming is a little sticky or something. But nonetheless, I'll proceed to answer the question. Um, So yes, the species selection was, again, based on this PhD mycologist, he was always looking for what would be referred to as good generalist species, uh, species that were uh, of interest and of value to a a broad number of plants. So that established some as like, yep, this one, this one, this one. And then you had to look at the fact that soil types – are completely different depending on where you're planting. You could have sandy soils or clay soils. And there are those among the, the species groups that really help plants when they're in, for instance, a dense clay soil or in a sandy soil and so on pH range affects, um, mycorrhizal availability and certain species are better in in acidic pHs or slightly acidic or neutral or alkaline pHs. And by the time you've kind of checked off all those boxes of, well, we better get some that are good for this and some that are good for that, then you end up with a bunch and you end up with a a selection of good generalist species um, in both what are called endo and ecto. I don't want to get too technical, but there are two basic classes uh, or groups of mycorrhizae beyond the idea that there are genus and species, absolutely, but there are groups. And the endomycorrhizae or arbuscular mycorrhizae or AM mycorrhizae, there's a lot of names for them, are are the favorites of a lot of nursery stock that we all like and and use a lot of, like perennials and grasses and annuals and shrubs. Um, There's hundreds of thousands of plants that like that type. So there are many of those. We have nine of those. And then the ectomycorrhizae are a a different animal altogether. And they're the unique partners of all of the conifers. So if you're planting a spruce or a pine or a hemlock or a fir, uh, or indeed the hardwood trees such as oak, beech, and birch, they only use ectomycorrhizae. So we had to make sure we had lots of various uh, kinds of ectomycorrhizae in the formula, again, so that no matter what you were planting, uh, the partnerships would be available.
0: Now, Bob, if I may interrupt you, for people that Certainly. are just tuning in and they're hearing you talk about all this stuff, yep. you know, they're saying, okay, did I miss something? What is he talking about? You're talking, <laughs> right? <laughs> no, so you're talking about a product, correct, that yes, you it's, distribute it's and sell. Could That's you explain right. actually what this product is, how it comes packaged or how it's used Exactly.
3: Absolutely. So the product is called, the brand of the product is Root Rescue, my company's name, and the product is called Transplanter. So if you look up Root Rescue Transplanter pretty much on any Internet browser, you're eventually going to come to us. Um, by the way, uh root rescue rather annoyingly is also uh, the name of a hair color by L'Oreal. Oh, so wow. you may in fact <laughs> you, you and uh you know I could use some. You can't see the video, but um so right. I, I could I could use both, but I am not that root rescue. I am the root rescue transplanter. And so you will be brought to a website or to Amazon or to a garden center near you, for instance, that carries root rescue transplanter. And what it is is a, technically, it's called a wettable powder, mm-hmm. which just means um, you just measure the dry powder in with a teaspoon, which actually comes in the box, and put it into a watering can. Fill it up with water, and you're ready to apply it. Is so this- it's simply a, it's a root drench. But it, when you buy it, it's a very uh, compact little box that has the powder inside, and that's uh, and it comes in various sizes and price points depending on how much planting you have to do. So um, that's that's the basic skinny on what it is. So in, in a garden center, you may find it, for instance, with the other fertilizers or what are called hard goods items. Um, we actually made a choice when designing and building our packaging for this to use a uh, paper package, but a completely weatherproof paper package that doesn't fade. So we wanted the plant material and the root rescue transplanter to be in the same place, literally out with the plants. And that's our goal with our garden center partners: is to display the product where people are going to notice it, which is when they're mm-hmm. selecting their plants. Uh, and because of the way we've designed the packaging, it's weatherproof and yet fully recyclable. So you know, obviously, we're very concerned with environmental issues. What? transplanter is not. And that's another way to think of this. It is not a synthetic fertilizer. It has no NPK, a nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium numbers on the package. So you're right to wonder when you first look at it, what it is, because you might expect that it should have NPK numbers on it. Like, is this a fertilizer? Is it compared to some other thing that looks like a fertilizer? Mm -hmm. But of course it is not. Uh, we, we are absolutely anti-synthetic fertilizer, um, and I could go drone on about that for endless <laughs> amounts of time, but it's a very inefficient technology that actually damages the ecosystem. Um, it's not, it runs off and ends up in, in streams and rivers or turns back into a gas and disappears into the atmosphere. Um, it's a technology that is widespread, but it deserves to be replaced with natural biological technologies okay. um and you know again how did we find these these critters how did we find these mycorrhizal fungi well we simply went out into undisturbed nature and looked at the roots of plants and said who are these creatures like why are they on these roots who are they what are they and can mm-hmm. we reproduce them and give them to people to use in their home gardens. And the answer after much struggle is yes, absolutely. We can we can do this and turn it into a commercial product.
0: Well, so, Bob, let me, uh, if I may, interrupt you for a second. Yeah. Uh, Joanne, you, you did receive an email that I read that uh, someone wrote in and wanted to know actually what Root Rescue was. So we can disregard yes. that email because Bob did mm. a great job explaining that. But I have one question for you, Bob. This Certainly. Root Rescue, is this something that you patented yourself or is this something no, in the public domain?
3: It, And you know, frankly, that's a—it's kind of an interesting question. It's absolutely germane. Uh, The answer is no. We have not got any kind of technology inside this box that isn't in nature. Um, You know, we didn't go into the lab and say, "Okay, how do we change this particular molecule so that we can make it our own and patent it, and nobody can do it." Um, It's an exactly opposite way of thinking about this. We simply decided that nature was going to be our best model for how to grow plants, and we would simply borrow her technology. So there's nothing patentable here per se. Uh, What there is is a very convenient way of applying nature's way of feeding plants. Um, And the brand name is obviously, yes, it's registered. So anybody who, Mm -hmm. other than L'Oreal Hair Color, who uh, gets into the (laughs) plant care game and calls their thing Root Rescue, they will hear from me. <laughs> but, uh, but the technology is not based on any kind of weird science or, uh, you know, it's quite the opposite, quite oh, okay. deliberately the opposite. So what we do is we make it easy uh, for, for anybody to use this kind of natural technology when they're planting. Um, and that uh, I guess somebody could do it again. Somebody could have gary's hmm. magic transplanter and do it again but it was a bit of an adventure to get to this point it took me years and years um and um and so no uh, there is no ip in that sense uh, right. just a lot of uh, uh, sweat and tears and and here it is yeah and uh and it is not a science breakthrough in the sense that we've cooked up something in the lab that nobody else has cooked up not at all
1: Okay. So some of that six years was getting it to be reproducible. Like well, that,
3: that that's true. The techno- good question. And during we didn't have a big nap during those six and a half years. In fact, <laughs> we did work on that very issue, uh, producing the product, uh, learning how to the techniques of such and same so that we could get to commercial s- scale. Uh okay. it was a learning curve. Uh, the other thing we did with that time was we gave the formula to the University of Guelph for them to torture test it to actually ah. Take it out into the fields, and they planted over three years or three and a half seasons. I guess they planted twenty nine hundred different species trees, twenty different species, and basically kicked the tires and saw and and tried to figure out whether or not this stuff actually works. That we just it was an open ended question: Will it mm-hmm. actually reduce plant stress? Will it reduce plant failure? Um, does it do the things we say it will do? And we handed it to those guys and their PhDs and they did the testing. And so that took three years to do. And we finally got the results from that in 2015, just before we got our registration back and happily, the university of Guelph agreed that this is exactly right, that it does do what root rescue says it will do. They were looking at a thing they call water status, which is because you have to decide when you're doing a, uh, an efficacy trial like this well what are we going to look for are we going to look for mm-hmm. greener leaves are we going to look for this are we going to look for that and the thing they decided to look for was based on the pain point that I had when the project started which was death essentially mm-hmm. why are a number of these perfectly healthy plants just not making it through the first season and coming back to the garden center on right. warranty what is the problem why aren't they rooting in properly and it's not about So they decided they would look at a thing called water status, which is how hard a plant works at pulling water up from its roots. Pretty simple concept when you say it like that.
1: Yeah. (laughs) The technology of
3: measuring that was quite impressive. Um, Funny little gizmos were were attached to tree trunks to literally 24 hours a day, measure how hard the trees were pulling water from their roots or how hard they were working at it. And that was graphed and compared... So the control was basically trees that were just watered, and ours were trees that were watered with transplanter, just once. And they said, okay, let's compare. And night and day, 30 35% less water stress or improved water status, which translates in the real world into happy living plants, as opposed to Mm. some that are struggling and not making it. Right. So, um, that was a great way to sort of wait it out with the fed until we got our registration was to give it to those guys, mm-hmm. pro- cross our fingers. Although I was pretty <laughs> confident it would work because I used yeah. it myself, but you know, you it's one thing to test a product and Bob says, Oh, trust me, it works. We wanted third party endorsement. We wanted, yeah. you know, we wanted the most prestigious agricultural college in Canada to agree that it works and, um uh, mm-hmm. happily they did. And that, uh, that research is on our website for you to look at and download if you're into that kind of stuff.
1: Excellent. As long as, as well as some really good videos, I found them very informative. Like, you know, they're quick, yeah. but they're very informative.
3: Yeah. Um, we have a YouTube channel now, and there's a bunch of videos there, and we're adding to them all the time. Um, and uh, you're right, because that's kind of the way you want to package information these days is in yeah. a snappy little video. Yeah. And so we've tried to rise to that challenge. Um, mm-hmm. but we've also been gratified to see the product technology taken up by more than uh, home gardeners, which is where I began. Uh, it's now the the favorite of a number of contractors who are simply enjoying, uh less losses on the projects Mm -hmm. they install and what was really interesting was we got picked up by the highway of heroes project which is landscape ontario is uh is helping the highways of highway of heroes project plant two million trees down the 401 from here to to montreal and or to kingston i guess uh to um where's the
1: Trenton Trenton
3: Trenton, Trenton exactly yes, where the military airport is so and the highway of heroes and though a lot of those circumstances along that road along the 401 they're really tough like there yeah. was one site we went to last year where they were planting 5000 bare root trees and uh it had it was on, it's in the city of toronto proper it's right dead center 401 and uh bayview avenue area and cool. the, the city of toronto had contracted to get this piece of ground turned back into a forest no less than five or six times and there were just the remnants of a few trees that survived from all of those attempts and it was just a f- real frustration for them and the highway of heroes guys took it on and said well we'll plant a forest here so uh um, we got out there and videotaped this and i, w- I went back after the spring planting of bare root and went back in the summer and took my camera and we had another look and yeah they're doing okay um and i'm going to be back this spring and so it's it's really gratifying to see the technology uh helping a lot of circumstances you know mm-hmm. in a lot of uh, situations and those are very very let's call it super low maintenance there's not a lot of people out there fretting over these trees once they yeah, get planted
1: yeah no and one's walking around with a no. hose and no one's to <laughs> no tree bags that's a lot too many for tree bags that's again, right. right
3: and and that's uh, the cool thing about this technology is the harder the pl- the more stress the plant is under the more it turns to its mycorrhizal partners for help so uh If, yeah, so, I mean, if you're over fertilizing and over watering and everything else, Mm -hmm. you won't really notice much of a difference because all of the plants problems have been solved by you. Um, Whereas if you let plants grow on their own and find their, their symbiotic partners in the soil, they will make those partnerships work and they will be much more robust and resilient going forward. Um, And I think at the end of the day, everybody wants to simply enjoy their plants Mm -hmm. and not fret over them and fuss over them. Um, and let them become happy in the environment where you've planted them. And that happiness is based on finding uh, symbiotic partnerships, like the ones our product offers, engaging those partnerships, and then the plants know what to do after that.
1: Wonderful. And it is a product that is useful for not just trees and shrubs, but like perennials, I mean, annuals and vegetables as well. Yes,
3: indeed. Um, In fact, we have, downloadable lists on our website and our on our resources page um, documents pages where you can download a table of 700 plants or whatever and it'll tell you which type of mycorrhizae they like Uh, and overwhelmingly of course everybody likes one or or another or most of our species that are in the root rescue transplanter there are some weird exceptions Um, and I'll tell you that for instance, uh, brassica plants in the vegetable family—your uh, your cabbages Cabbage. and mm-hmm. you know, root, uh, what am I thinking of? Brussels sprouts—I don't like them anyway. They're <laughs> they're not mycorrhizal. Uh, they don't actually choose mycorrhizal partners at all. Okay. Uh, so they're very very strange in that way. Another big crop, very important farm crop, canola. Uh, does not choose mycorrhizal partners. Uh, these type of plants only engage in bacterial partnerships uh, in the soil. So they're they're kind of unusual and rare, but I mm-hmm. would think, you know, all of the typical vegetables and herbs you would plant, absolutely mycorrhizal. They love the partnership, everything from corn to you name it, uh, all the way down to, uh, you know, basil and the whole list mm-hmm. of very very popular vegetables and uh, and so on all of the fruits uh all of them oh, like right. yeah the one exception again because we don't there's a specialized type of mycorrhizae that associates with um, with azaleas and rhododendrons with ericaceous plants it's okay. called ericoid mycorrhiza makes sense mm-hmm. uh the problem with ericoid mycorrhiza is we have yet to figure out how to get it into a dry formulation uh it only it's only able to be stable in a liquid formulation and, and, you know, applied that way. And so we can't make it work with our dry powder formula. And we like the dry powder formula because it has great shelf life, like three years. So we, uh, so we can't help azaleas and rhododendrons. Although that being said, If you can imagine, what's really in the powder when you put it in the teaspoon is tiny little microscopic spores. I mean, they're just incredibly small. So, most of what you're looking at is what is the carrier for the product. And it happens to be uh, kelp powder and humate. So, these are rather than using something that was just a carrier and didn't do any good, we decided to get our wallets out and actually make a really good choice about what was okay. going to carry our little spores. And so this, these are certified organic, uh, high quality uh, humates and, and kelp powder that is carrying all those spores in the powder. And those two carriers, every plant loves. I mean, so even if you don't have a... A perfect fit with with uh you know cabbage or something cabbage still wags its tail because it likes our carriers so um Uh, yeah so we kind of got it covered both ways but the thing about mycorrhizae this fungus that's in the product is once the plant engages mycorrhizae it keeps it for life so this Mm -hmm. is the real tremendous value for um shrubs and and trees and evergreens and perennials is that it's not something that only works or forms a partnership during the season you've planted and applied the product. They become resident on the roots for life. The plant will not give them up. And right. so it has this tremendous long lasting beneficial effect, uh, which, you know, synthetic technologies can't touch. I mean, it, they're, yeah. they're there and then they're gone and then you better go buy another bag. Uh, it's a completely different way of thinking. Our goal here is self-sufficiency. We want these plants to be self-sufficient, happy campers, the way nature intended. Uh, and that's what we try to provide them.
1: Wonderful. Well, the, and that falls into what, you know, you as a former landscape designer knows, every client wants something that's low maintenance, right? Yeah, this is So, it. you know, knowing that they don't have to keep applying it every two weeks or that, even it. every season. So once oh. you've applied it, you don't need to apply it again.
3: You do not. I mean, we do recommend in, in our videos that it's applied uh, twice if you have the time, mm-hmm. but once is enough. For instance, the okay. University of Guelph trials, it was just one application. Everybody stood back and said, what's going to happen um, at the recommended rates. So, but reapplying it or applying it twice is not a bad idea because then you're sure that it's that it's touching all parts of your root system. It is a physical relationship. The spore has to get cozy with the root. Now, mm-hmm. it's easy because it's in solution, the water is going to take it right there. But a second application sort of guarantees you're going to get the maximum effect um, and unlike fertilizer technologies, where you might actually do harm, if you apply twice as much or twice as often, as mm-hmm. the package recommends, you might burn your roots. That's not possible with root rescue transplanter, you can never have too much life in soil, it's impossible. So uh, you can be very casual about it, and, uh, and apply at least the amount recommended, but double it, it's all good.
1: Okay. Excellent. Now, yeah. would you, because uh, we were talking about the vegetables. So could you see it for, for use in like commercial, um, commercial farming?
3: Yes. Uh, where, yes, it is possible to use it. And we do have a uh, small uh market garden farms that use it that are doing small crops and small amounts of this and that when it starts to get up to hectares of tomatoes and so on there's a point at which you want to specialize the product and only have there's 18 species in this box Mm -hmm. you're buying all 18 now if you're doing you know 45 hectares of tomatoes there are perhaps four or five depending on the ph of your soil of my guys that will be happy with those tomatoes. But you've paid for all the others too. So, and farmers like to be very cost effective and I mm-hmm. who can blame them? Mm-hmm. So, we will be iterating the product or in in more specific combinations for large crop growers. Um it certainly works. It is and for the home gardener it's just ideal because it's simply you got one of these and five of those in a row of those it all works. So, um, that's really our target market, but there's, uh, absolutely no reason why a larger commercial grower couldn't use it on a larger scale. Um, and it will have the same benefit of if they get it going in the spring and it's on the root systems of a seedling it, as the roots grow, the mycorrhizae grow, you know, they just grow with. So, um, it works for the entire growing season. And if you're doing a, where it makes a lot perhaps more sense. I like, I don't like to say that my stuff never makes sense or doesn't always make sense, but it makes more sense on, for instance, uh, grapes or an orchard or something where yes, you're harvesting a crop from that thing every year, but the plants themselves are perennial, you know, uh, or yes.
1: okay. uh,
3: my brother has a hop farm, you know, on Wolf Island and uh, out Kingston way. And, uh, and he used it of course, when he lined out his original hops and he's putting in new ones every year and it'll be with those hops forever so this makes complete sense yeah. and it it also is interesting because where food crops are concerned where does the flavor and food value of the of whatever's in your peppers or tomatoes come from it comes from trace elements and minerals in the soil and a lot of that uptake of those trace minerals and and small amounts of various things that are in mineral form in soils a lot of that conversion from mineral to a digestible, uh, you know, plant ready form of the, of the nutrient is done by microbes in the soil like mycorrhizae and, and bacteria. And so when you have mycorrhizae working with a food crop like peppers or tomatoes or corn, or you name it, really, Mm -hmm. the, the tendency is to be more flavorful because the plant now has access to the full spectrum of, uh, macro and micronutrients that are in that soil. Whereas if you're trying to grow your plants with a chemical bath of fertilizers, that part of the equation is not working. It's shut off. Mm -hmm. Uh, In fact, you can't, I get people asking me, can we do both? You know, can I use your stuff? Can I fertilize too? Mm -hmm. And maybe we should get to that question now. And the answer is plainly just no. And the reason is that those high value fertilizers switch off, literally stop the relationship between the roots and the soil microbiome, they turn it off and replace it with direct delivery of, of, you know, very, very strong nutrients provided in the fertilizer. So it's, it's not, it's either, or, you know, you really want to make a decision and clearly i think that the the organic natural way of growing plants is far superior for all kinds of really good right. reasons but you can't do both especially where phosphorus is concerned npk you know that middle number in a fertilizer yeah. it is the soluble form of phosphorus p2o5 which is really problematic for the entire soil microbiome it will just knock it out and now your plants are dependent on you to keep fertilizing because Mm -hmm. you just knocked out the biology that would otherwise do it um so we i would really like to stress the fact that you're kind of crossing a bridge here and you're you're Mm -hmm. saying okay we're going to use you know compost and we're going to use all these wonderful natural technologies to grow our plants and they're going to be wonderful um don't cross back over the bridge and start using synthetic fertilizers again because much of the work you've done and much of the the uh, happiness of your roots is going to be disrupted by this high intensity chemical bath. So um, they shouldn't be combined.
1: Okay. And that, my next question was going to be about that about so people are always amending their soil, like we talked yes. about, you know, every year adding manure or adding compost yep. or organic material. So does that is that a negative to the mycorrhizae no, or is that is a benefit? Not. Okay. No,
3: anything natural, or organic, any any composts are wonderful, uh, especially important to do when you're first setting up a garden because you want to get it down as deep as possible and so on. It's very hard to add that stuff uh, in many cases, after you've got root systems in place, because you're gonna, actually going to do a lot of harm if you disturb the soil once the roots are established. But if you are starting a garden up, you want to make sure you get lots of organic matter in there. And it is the it is the part of the, the system is going to start cycling those nutrients and making them available, creating humus from the organic matter. Mm-hmm. That's what the microbes do as well. And that humus is like a battery in soil. It holds okay. all of the ions of of nutrients and keeps them from disappearing. Um, It acts like a a wonderful little cation battery holding, especially for nitrogen. Nitrogen is extremely volatile in its plant uh, reactive or available form. It quickly turns into a gas and disappears or quickly washes out of the soil with the next rainfall. And you need something that holds it until the plant needs it. And that's what humus does. And so that's why organic matter is so important. It, it acts like this wonderful battery in soil holding these very volatile nutrients, which plants need a constant supply of. So um, that's good work. I'm far more Interested these days in advocating, especially to vegetable growers and everybody else that they do as little tilling as possible Mm, in soils, you know, this is instead grow a cover crop or something like that between your rows of whatever, uh, and just, you know, pry open your soil and put in your seeds and fold it back over, because every time you disturb the soil. Uh, you're actually breaking up all of this microbiome and biology, especially the fungal networks that have been built up and they have to start all over again. And uh, whereas if you leave those, those structures in place um, everything works a whole lot better and rainwater percolates better down through the bottom. Uh, I did a little blog the other day that talked about, uh, the impact of the hydraulic impact of raindrops hitting open soil. It's an amazing explosion. If you ever see it in slow motion, there's tremendous force in a raindrop hitting open soil and it tends to form a crust on the surface. And pretty soon the water is running off instead of going into the soil. So generally speaking, tilling and leaving soils open may look nice, I mean, I get that. I was a, I was a grower myself. Nothing looks nicer than Mm -hmm. a well-tilled garden, but the problem is it, it isn't a very healthy state for the root systems. And very soon the pounding of rain is going to turn it, turn it into a crust. It's going to take the finest particles and wash them away. It's not a stable way to grow. Whereas if you had a mulch or a, um, a cover crop in between the plant rows where the rain could hit that slow down and then slowly sink into the soil it works way better and you'll hold a lot more rain and irrigation in soils when they're not tilled or disturbed on a regular basis, if you can avoid it. So you've got to do it when you're first planting, that's your moment because you know, you're going to do it then and you want to do a good job and put all kinds of wonderful things in and then try to do as little disturbing of the soil thereafter as possible and try to cover the earth, keep rain from hitting things, hitting the soil. It's actually quite destructive of soil.
0: And, Joanne, you know Matt's been in, right? Yeah, he's.
3: I see Matt there. Okay, <laughs> yeah.
1: We see him, but he doesn't know that he's yeah. muted.
3: Okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah. There he is.
1: I'm here. Hello, Bob.
3: How, hey, how <laughs> are you, man? I'm good. good. How are you? I am well. I'm all good. I'm all together.
2: Excellent. It sounds like a wonderful show going. I love hearing you talk. I love oh, Room Rescue. So very excited <laughs> for you to join us here.
3: Excellent. Thanks well, I'm happy to be us. here. I love telling this story. It never gets tired for me. Oh, never no.
2: <laughs> we have a, a listener question from Kim. Sure. Uh, Kim has written in uh, hello, Joanne dedicated listener and email here, emailer here. Can I use root tra- rescue transplanter on my lawn as well?
3: Thank yes, you. actually it's, it's kind of akin to that thing that Joanne talked to me earlier about. Can farmers use it for acres and acres of whatever? Um, and the answer with lawns is lawns love root rescue. Turf plants, grass plants. I mean, the prairie uh, is one of the most mycorrhizal places if you leave it undisturbed on planet Earth. It's just packed with mycorrhizal fungi when it's left undisturbed. And your lawn is just a miniature prairie. So those mm-hmm. plants, the fescues, the poas, all of those plants love mycorrhizae. So absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, the one thing about uh, lawns is the compaction problem, uh, Mm -hmm. walking on them and so on. And because of the way mycorrhizae tend to go into the soil and, and actually granulate, they turn clay into granules, which lets water go in and air go in. It's a slow motion process, but it's trying to actually make the soil better. And so, in in lawns, you can actually feel it happening. Um, and there, needless to say, by the way, a lot of the lawn weeds are not mycorrhizal. I remember I said there were some annual plants that aren't mycorrhizal, mm-hmm. and in gardening, there's a few that you mm-hmm. want to have, uh, you know, uh, cabbages or brussels sprouts or what have you, and they're not mycorrhizal. Well, many of the lawn weeds that we struggle with are also not mycorrhizal. So, if your turf plants, the things you want are actually happy and healthy because of they've got mycorrhizal partners, they actually outcompete the weeds, which is not a bad thing. Yeah, no,
1: for sure. Clover, how would you how would you apply it, Bob? Like would you like a hose and sprayer
3: then? Yeah, you can use a hose end sprayer. We do have an instruction for that on the website. Um, you can water it in with a watering can. Um, you could mix it dry with another thing that you're top dressing your lawn with. Cause often people will top dress their lawns with compost at a certain time of year or something. Mm-hmm. So you could mix the root rescue transplanter powder in with that. And it's going to end up spread. Okay. Uh, wa- once it's watered in, once the water's applied, of course, it just dissolves and goes down into the roots and does okay. its magic. So could yes, you, could it will you
1: just like dust it then.
3: A little, it's a, it's, yeah, maybe a little expensive. (laughs) Uh, Can I say yes? And you'll have to go back and get another box. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, go ahead, please. Uh, It wouldn't be a very efficient way to do it, but it would Mm -hmm. work. Uh, Okay, the hose end sprayer is a good idea. There's also, there's also these siphon mixers that we used to sell back in the day at the garden center, which you hook them up to the hose, or to the the tap on the wall where you hook your hose, and there was a little siphon mixer that would 16 to one or 20 to one would pull water, pull a solution out of a bucket as the water went through. So you mix up a bucket of root rescue 20 times stronger than normal and you put the little siphon hose in there and as you water, it just mm. sucks it out. So for every 19 parts of water that go out the hose, one part gets pulled out of the pail. So that's a pretty efficient way to do it if you own that little $15 piece of equipment and uh, and that's handy. So there, you know, you start scratching your head and thinking, how can I do this more efficiently? There's ways, definitely okay. ways. Yeah. Is
2: that little, oh. little siphon. Yeah, I think Dram still makes it.
3: They still do. Yeah, yeah. it's a cool little gizmo, and we used yeah. to use them all the time because at, it, it's just having to mix twenty times less water and twenty times less solution because you got this concentrate, and it's just turning the water on makes it mix. It's just wonderful, very simple <laughs> idea, but it works beautifully. Hmm. And our stuff is it's uh, it's a wettable powder, so you mix it up, <clears throat> and as long as you give it a stir every five or 10 minutes or so it will stay in solution obviously in the water that you've just mixed up there's a bunch of spores in that water floating around and if the water becomes very still some of them will start to rise and some of them will start to sink and so if you're just sitting there in a bucket and it's a concentrate you might give it a stir every five or ten minutes as you're working to keep it in solution if you're doing a hose end sprayer which you're walking around with in your hand well you're sloshing all over the place anyway it just stays in solution so pretty simple wow. now. Yeah. And what we have noticed is that people are planting a tree in a lawn, they get a beautiful tree, but they also get this wonderful green ring of grass around uh-huh. the tree. And, and that's because that's because the root rescue transplanters, leaked into the lawn and they go what's this so yeah that's when you know it actually works well with lawns
1: so it's the same product there's not like a lawn you know here's the tree and shrub plant product and because that's the other thing that I think makes it easier for people because you know it's you know it's not like you have to buy the vegetable formula and then you have to buy the tree and shrub formula and now you have to buy the lawn formula so it's just one product
3: it is. And you know, maybe that's not our intelligent uh, world
1: Marketing. conquest yeah. as a
3: business. You know, we should yeah. be iterating this thing in 20 different boxes. So you got to struggle home with 20 different boxes.
1: Yeah. Maybe if we were
3: smart, that's what we do. But uh, in our dumbness, it's all the same thing. And you can just use it on anything. At the end okay. of the day and right. uh confessions of a bad marketer so uh <laughs> we are we are because turf and lawns are such a big industry and a big mm-hmm. segment of of gardening we are in the process of creating a specialized version of it but you know all those problems i talked to you about how long it took us to get here they yeah. apply to a new product as well oh. so you know we don't just show up and say hey here's a new one um that's not the game as it's played if okay. you want to have uh, a registered product that is certified and third-party verified. Mm -hmm. It takes time. Time. And so we're on it. Uh, But in the meantime, uh, you've got the inside scoop. Uh, It works on everything.
1: Oh, perfect. Well, let's talk about price point a little bit. So Roy, sure. Roy has written in and he said, this product sounds, sounds amazing. Mm-hmm. However, it also sounds expensive. Well, dead right. plants are even more expensive, Roy, but dead yeah, it's all relative, are. right?
3: Okay. Well, I, I have in my hand here, which you cannot see our uh, typical small retail garden center pack, and it's called a 22.5 gram package okay. and it's available in garden centers. And there's exactly five teaspoons of powder in that package. And that means that it makes 10 gallons of solution because each teaspoon of powder, two gallons of water. So the question is, well, how many plants can I treat with 10 gallons of root rescue solution? And the answer is 20 one gallon perennials or four or five gallon plants or one street tree uh, with just this smallest size pack. So it goes a long way and Mm -hmm. our manufacturer suggested retail price on that is I think $15 So that's enough. And when we just, I was in the garden center game, I mentioned way back in the beginning of this thing. And so one of the things we wanted to have was to make sure that that entry level product size would somehow match up with the most important unit in a garden center, the cart. How many plants can people put on a cart and they're trundling to the cache with? (laughs) This will treat the entire cart load. Whether it's five flats of annuals or or twenty one gallon perennials or it's full of two gallon shrubs, by the time they're falling off the cart, the one tran- the smallest size of our transplanter, the fifteen dollar one, will treat all of them. So uh, it's a very good value and easy to use and compares. Um, if I want to circle back to our original, the product that we competed with back in the day was Mike. Um, It treats half as many plants for the same amount so Mm -hmm. in other words our product is twice as efficient we didn't Mm -hmm. go for a big bulky product that has a lot of peat moss and vermiculite in it uh we went for a very concentrated product and and the customer wins it it just lowers the price point because there's there's way less packaging trucking warehousing the list goes on and on our product is one-tenth of the physical size of the equivalent product of the competing technology so we pass those savings on Um, It's an easy entry level uh, price point for sure. We even have it in a 4.5 gram, i.e. one teaspoon size sample pack, little teabag size thing (laughs) that we sell to garden centers. And it's got a hole in the bag, this little bag. And you can actually tie it right onto a rose bush or a hydrangea or whatever. And so it comes with the plant, kind of like floral life at the flower shop. Oh,
1: yes. Mm Yeah.
3: Same idea. So, you know, we're trying to be everywhere where Mm -hmm. there's a little problem. Bob, could you do this for us? We've done that. So uh, you may find it literally attached to the plant at the garden center. And uh, then you just mix it up and water and water that plant in. It'll be a perfect match. It'll do a four or five gallon little fruit tree little 4.5 gram thing or so it's um and on the packages themselves there's a easy to understand chart so when you're holding this thing in your hand we have it tells you exactly how many plants this box you're holding in your hand will treat uh, right on the face of the box, pretty straight ahead. So we have that size. We have a 45 gram size, which is twice as much. It'll make 20 gallons of solution and for larger projects or for people who want to do it all today. And then in three or four weeks, do it again. They can get a 45 gram, which uh, is not twice the price because that's how i know
1: i i've bought the big tub so you also have it like for someone who plants a lot of trees right the pail the small pail
3: it's no longer in pails actually joanne we've gone to a bag uh, with a reseal on it which is less plastic
1: so um
3: it's and it yeah the 450 gram bag which is used to be a tub uh, that'll treat like 20 street trees or 400 Mm -hmm. one gallon perennials very very constant there's a lot in that uh, yeah. or a lot of yeah. treatment with that and that's my cat by the way
1: yes we can hear her. That's <laughs> <Yeah. a few. laughs> yeah. he's crabby yeah uh, and you mentioned a three-year shelf life mm-hmm. um, and every I package know... has a
3: best before date on it and...
1: oh, okay that's good yep. now can it be in the garage does it have to be in the house like what happens oh, in not. winter
3: well just like the mycorrhizae that are in the ground and the outside it doesn't matter if it freezes so oh, it absolutely oh, does good. not. It's it very, very forgiving, <laughs> and very easy to store. You put it in the shed with everything else and freeze it. It doesn't matter. It doesn't, doesn't do anything matter. good or bad to it. No, it's oh, just it's asleep. Great. It doesn't good. matter if you okay. freeze it. Now people will say, "Should I refrigerate it?" No, yeah. uh, no. I know what's in my fridge, and I don't want to have root rescue in there. No, yeah.
1: need.
3: <laughs> doesn't. No advantage. No need to refrigerate. Uh, okay. It's just happy having a dirt nap in the bag inside. Mm-hmm. Uh, the real enemy is moisture. So once you open it, high humidity and summer in summer conditions, for instance, the water in the air will actually start to permeate the powder. So we do recommend that once you've used the amount you want to use, just there's a, there's always a nice little zip tie on there. You just zip it up again, seal okay. it up nice and tight. So that the powder stays dry. That's the most important thing. That's the most important thing.
1: And the best before date is that, you know, like the day after, you know, the day no. after the date, it's dead. No, or, <laughs> yeah, know.
3: like how did they know that it would die then? I know,
1: exactly. <laughs> no. Exactly. Because yeah. I can I there is a situation where, you know, someone we kind of yeah, and yeah. they were upset that the they got it when the date was already passed but we we're like, uh, oh, ah yeah, we well, think no. it's still fine.
3: No, it absolutely is. What okay. the best before date is a reflection of one hundred percent efficacy until that date. And then it slowly begins Mm. to decline. Uh, We figure the decline is about 10% per year thereafter. So, you know, if you've got one that's a year past its best before date or whatever, it's probably, it's 90% viable at least. So mix it 10% stronger and you're back to full whammy. Um, So that, that, that's really the simple math. It's not unlike Not unlike seeds, which, as you mm-hmm. know, they they cycle them out at the garden centers literally after one year of having them on display. But they're not dead. Uh, there may be a small portion of them that are no longer going to germinate, so they cycle them out. Also, the in the case of seeds, those packages are not nearly as um, as tightly sealed and, and designed for the purpose as ours. They tend mm-hmm. to be little paper bags, uh, so there's not much protection for those seeds. Whereas we go to quite a bit of trouble. To keep our guys in the dark and sealed up nice and tight. So it has tremendous shelf life. And as you say, if you come across one that, or you found one in the back of the garage that you bought two years before or something, Mm -hmm. it is by no means junk. And uh, just mix it a little bit stronger than the recommended rate, and you're right back where you started from. And bear in mind also those carriers that I described that are actually holding the spores, they have no uh, best before date. So, Mm -hmm. you know, the kelp powder and the humate powder good for an eternity so those also have a tremendously good benefit to the plants when you're applying the product so even for that purpose it's still a winner
1: perfect okay any concern with like well you mentioned your cat so any concern like (laughs) safe for pets and and children and
3: just as safe like we're not going to
1: feed it to the children but no no (laughs) i
3: wouldn't recommend they will not like it actually they're going (laughs) to say come on no uh (laughs) (laughs) But it's just as safe as going for a walk in the woods. After all, it's the very same uh, organisms that are out there in nature are now in in your hand. I've been working with this stuff closely for 20 years, literally mixing it bare hands and everything else. And I've known everybody from you can name who's handled it uh, in a very cavalier fashion. And it's fine. I mean, there's nothing here that isn't Mm -hmm. already out there, if you know what I mean. So uh, there's, there's nothing here that can harm you. I mean, there are some people I've been told that have an allergy to form some forms of fungi. Maybe, I mean, who can say, but um, never had anything reported. We've been in the industry and in the business now selling the product all over Canada for seven years, never heard of any incidents. Um, I don't think we ever will. I mean, it's very, very Mm -hmm. safe to use. Far safer than a lot of the chemical products on the shelves right next to it, uh, which are genuinely dangerous. Uh, And so by comparison, not even a comparison.
1: Yeah. And you mentioned Canada. So is this available in the U.S.?
3: Uh, not as yet. We do have okay. plans to go there. The US, Canada is, you know, I had that long wait to get it through the regulators. Yeah, Woe was me. But it's a federal regulation. So once we got it, we were good coast to coast. Well, in the US, it's state to state. Uh, so it's a little more of a grind. Uh, yeah. And every state is different. The qualifications or requirements are different from California okay. to, you know, where
1: yeah. all of
3: them are different. So uh, we will A pace take that market on um but we have we have yet to do that we're just concentrating on home base for now
1: oh that's good that is good yeah Yeah. we learned a lot
3: no problem here to help do
1: you matt's teaching in college are you do you talk about mycorrhizae with the kids we talk about the soil biome
2: and the importance of mycorrhizae and the way that that the soil life affects plant health and plant quality. And I, we were talking about it actually uh, today in class. And I mentioned right. root rescue and this podcast and okay. uh, we yeah. talked about Mike versus root rescue and how all mm-hmm. that works. So yeah, we marvelous. do get to touch on that. So yeah,
3: marvelous. Well, that's great. And you know, the one thing that I, that I want to say is we were especially mm, compelled to develop this product because of where we were selling plants. You know, we were selling them, in a suburban area that was growing like crazy. So every Mm -hmm. one of our customers was in a new home in a new subdivision. uh, And the soil disturbance in those environments is profound. I mean, Mm -hmm. they literally can't build a subdivision or build a house or indeed a road or anything unless they strip all the topsoil off to start with. Right. I mean, that's, that's the building. It's the building code. You can't build a road on top of that material. It has to be scraped off. And so it ends up piled over there in a hill drying out for four years while they do the development. And then they, you know, they bring it back. Well, guess what? It's completely dead by then. And you get the skinny little amount of it on top of the subsoil. It's nasty. And so Mm -hmm. this was our, this was, this is the circumstance for a lot of folks and it takes years uh, for nature to recover and create a deep, healthy soil on her own all we're doing is kind of giving her a little bit of a speed up by putting in those organisms that ultimately she would find a way to get back into that soil um it's we're just speeding it up you know we're just kind of giving her a hand
1: Excellent. Yeah, and I think our listeners can really take. I mean, talking about the expense, but I think the fact that you only really have to apply it yeah. once, and you don't have to apply it every year. No. Um, and you don't have a formula for like like we said, you know, three different formulas depending no. on what you're using in your garden. Like yeah. really, like that. But you know, just with those those little features, I think that's. I mean, like you said, it's not financially uh, beneficial to you necessarily. <laughs> if you had three different. Yeah, this is kind but, of
3: bad for my yeah. business plan. But the truth is, you don't have to reapply it. You know, and. Yeah. That that's uh,
1: yeah.
3: uh, it's okay. I, the, yeah. I, the whole world is full of new customers for me. So it's all good. Oh yeah. Uh, I, all I have the new homeowners. Of, yeah. yeah. I mean, I the have east yet other customers. So yeah, it's all good. And it's just, you know, just booming. As you know, Joanne, people change their minds. They move mm-hmm. plants. They have to divide perennials every three to five yeah. years. Every time you dig something up and break it apart and, and disturb the earth, you're going to use root rescue transplanter again, to put it all back in. So, mm-hmm. and that's the basic rule is, Planting is very disturbing of the soil. And whether it's in a, a well established garden or whether it's in a brand new garden, that act of tilling and digging and smashing and, and crushing and blending and turning means that, that you have to start rebuilding the microbiome when you step back from that project. And so there's always going to be a market, especially among avid gardeners, for doing it again and you reapplying mm-hmm. it because you've moved or changed or dug up and divided. Um and so I'm not worried about that. You know, there's, oh, there's good. every time you get your shovel out, it's another root <laughs> rescue moment. Whether or not oh, it's okay, there a, you go. A, whether you're <laughs> you're renovating or starting from scratch, that shovel oh, okay. tells you it's root rescue
1: time. Okay. Well, I have one last question for you. You mentioned early on about not just with a new planting, that if Mm. you do have somebody, so if we have listeners who have something that's struggling, maybe struggled last year, and we're not sure how it's going to do this year, it's something that you can also feed, you know, something that might be struggling.
3: Well, again, we've we've got a formula here that's mixed in water. So it's easy to apply the day you plant the thing, a month later, a year later, two years later, because you're just watering it in. So yes. And why do plants struggle? Well, again, they may be going through a form of transplant shock where they're not finding all of the microbial partnerships in the soil that they need. So they kind of putter along and they're, they're not really engaging the soil or rooting in well. And by introducing what they've been looking for a year later, 18 months later, suddenly they start to perk up and say, there you are. And now we can get down to business. So um, it's that they're kind of in suspended animation some of the time when these plants go in the soil and they don't find what they're looking for as long as you keep watering them and babying them they kind of stay the same but they don't mm. grow and you're thinking what's you know what's going on with you buddy why won't why won't you just do your thing and so this is when the transplanter applied even later months later can be of great help so um that's that's and because of the way it's made it's easy to put yeah. it in the ground mix it up that's pour sweet. it on
1: great information very very good information it was a great show you, you taught us a lot about this so matt oh, yeah. happy to help
3: for- out it's you'll never guess it's my favorite topic <laughs>
2: <laughs> thank you everyone for joining us thank you bob for taking us into the world of mycorrhizae and the amazing product for rescue i hope everybody will check it out you'll find in our show notes all of the links to Root Rescue and RootRescue.com. Thank you for tuning in this week. Thanks again, Bob. And uh, we will see you all next week here down the garden path on Reality Radio 101.
3: My pleasure.
0: Thank you for listening to Down the Garden Path with your host, Joanne Shaw, and Matthew Dressing right here on Reality Radio 101.